Hello, folks. Welcome to this bonus connected to the rational male religion and positive masculinity. This is Novid Hollaback. If you have looked through the myths throughout history, especially the creation myths, take a pencil, paper, and just write down the list of gods that gods and goddesses that created the earth, created humanity, and those that had done it separately. So in the Abrahamic religions, we have the male God creating the universe, creating the earth, and then creating human beings without a secondary entity, a secondary female entity that helped the creator God in their creation. In other religions, it's different. We would have especially in Japan, which I'm going to put a little bit of my focus on in this bonus. We have in Japan, Izanami and Izigani, who are both brother and sister, and both husband and wife. They both complemented each other into creating the islands of Japan through their bodily functions. We have in Egypt, in the creation, in the human creation myth, the creation of sky and heaven meeting up together, it is a female and a male. We have in other particular societies all throughout the Middle East, not connected to the Abrahamic religions of the creator God meaning the goddess or an earth goddess fornicating with her creating this particular universe, particularly this particular humanity and earth in tow. We also have arrows, which Mr. Tomasi mentioned convincing two of the Greek gods, early gods to meet up with each other and fornicate in order to create from chaos the universe and that sort of things as well just take a look at those lists and figure out the female goddesses on one end that created the universe or humanity the male goddess gods that created humanity I did not say lead a pantheon. We're not talking about that. I say creator gods and goddesses. And those that needed a male or female in help to create the goddess. I mean, the, the, the universe and humanity. And what it showcases that in these particular countries that had a male god that created male and a female god that created humanity, if you look through the history, the ongoing history of that particular culture, as it were, they tend to have large empires, high education, that sort of thing. And then they have a pantheon which allowed different aspects of the human psyche, its fears, weather, how it affects the weather, all these other things to manifest. 
He says that around uh, in one of the sessional books. I, I think it's either book two, and I think it's somewhere around chapter eight or so. Um, he also mentions, but there's also a mention of as things started to change, they became more singular. You know, for the story of Akhenaten in Egypt and the whole controversy surrounding Akhenaten, Mr. Zetarian and a lot of others talk about Akhenaten in their other books as well. Akhenaten was a deeply controversial figure, and he overturned a lot of Egyptian history by a sun god named Atum, I believe. And this sun god, in certain aspects, in certain conspiratorial areas concerning Egypt, they pretty much put the Bible as the first five books of the Bible as certain aspects of Egyptian history. It is a fascinating uh, conspiracy theory. Aspects of it has interesting merit, but I'm not willing to go fully into it. This is not the place to do that. But just to talk about Akhenaten in a little bit, they said that he had a deformity, and he looked more like a female. He paraded himself as this beauty on on all comprehension. Some say that his grandfather did some little insensual, insensual things with one of his daughters. It's a complete mess, and it, it it's kind of a strange story. So read up a little bit about that one. But he basically was, according to many people, the first person that built about monotheism. And that aspects of that idea spread throughout the rest of the world. People don't know this a lot, but Cleopatra's era is closer to the space mission of Apollo 11 than it is to the beginning of Egypt. It is closer by a great amount of time. So Egypt lasted that long. So something like this would have an effect on the world. And they were one of the larger entities during the Bronze Age. They were there. So they had an effect on humanity, whether people like it or they don't. So aspects of religion in that particular sense for Egypt would still be in other denominations or aspects of how they saw God or how God is seen would have been shared through all the other places in the Middle East and later on in Rome and later on in the rest of the West. Whether it, 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 it's a, whether it was done by osmosis, 
where there is some interesting thing as well. One concept that John Michael Greer has said in his message boards in tow is that the reason why oral history for myths is important than written history is because when these particular groups of people start moving around, they have to create stories or myths surrounding that particular area. A great um, video done by Simon Wilsler talking about an earthquake that took place with the Castilla Mountains talks about how the Japanese saw this and their historical records concerning it and then how the Native Americans that lived in the area that is now called Washington and Oregon experienced this earthquake sort of like a new type of creation story as it were and the many things one does in that particular area how there was a golden age they said they ordered thing and then an earthquake came and they and how they use allegory in that particular sense to bring about all of this into how to explain that earthquake there so it's a fascinating video into showing how myths change and how oral myths change as well a lot of these female goddess myths matriarchal myths are also oral based they usually are in the area somewhere near the equator is as we now see or very hot climates or very or climates that are semi-desert like with the aboriginals in australia we also see the fact that in these matriarchal societies that it is very difficult or in many in these matriarchal societies as it were they tend to be extremely aggressive they represent the land as it were whereas in more temperate climates we have male and female working together in order to male and female working together as compliments to each other because usually the aftermath of these stories is they left after a time or the woman disappeared or later on with their grandchildren separation takes place That is one of the reasons why these myths are important to understand, especially with the intersexual dynamics that Rolo Tomasi has stated and the other things that Michael Desarian has stated about with more with Jung, Jung's and Freud's uh, information and Eric Fromm, Catherine Horney, that particular group into understanding how um, intersexual dynamics, how children are being raised, how children are raised by these terrible mothers, these single mothers who have accepted their hubris, sopalism, and 
um, unmitigated hypergamy into what is going on in society. But what we're basically trying to say here in these two parts, the Teachable Moment 27 and the first episode, first part of this deeper look into the rational male religion and positive masculinity is that successful societies in the past that are seen as successful and are not forgotten in the world at large will have a God who is a male that is singular that creates the whole universe is the Abrahamic religions or would have a God and a goddess to work in complementary. They work complementary with each other in order to create the land, in order to create the first humans, in order to create the first, um, the pantheons, as it were, and so on. They tend to fit the narrative of all of this of successful societies despite their issues later on with their politics and all the other things as well so though there are even those (coughs) that have characteristics of not androgyne goddesses because i a spiritual androgyne goddess or God, a God that is androgyne, (coughs) that also is in this particular aspect, that also includes a somewhat successful, we're we're not making empires or all these other things, That the, but they were able to keep their cultures for a long time before either a disaster took place or some of uh, something else of that nature. Egypt has many different creative myths. So does Greece. Some of them have aspects of it that are dealing with the whole androgyne concept of creating the universe and all these other things. They even have one aspect where how will humans will be made when the gods and goddesses were born, which are both male and female, ironically enough, that the humans were first androgyne. And then when they were creating the first man, Zeus decided, okay, we're going to use the thunderbolt, we'll split them in half. And so the reason why man is looking for his other is because he's looking for his other half. That's one Greek myth about the creation of humanity. But the interesting thing is, is that before all of this, we got to the creation of humanity with Greece. They're both. We have female and male already. But humans in this Greek aspect 
are already androgyne until the Thunderbolt took place. Interesting story about Zeus that most people don't also recognize is that Zeus, look, you have to be a God of War fan to really, really understand what they mean by that. There was the 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 PlayStation video, PlayStation Portable um version of the God of War where he where he faced off against his brother and whatnot. We get the history of Zeus. And Zeus turns out that his original power was the power of, how should we say this? Phlegm, mucus. Mucus, folks. Let's explain what mucus really is. So the mucus, the phlegm, is to protect the body from infect, to protect the body or to expel bacteria and all these other things this is also what they call humorism as it were in order to get out bad parts of the body this was his first power that's zeus's first power before he was given the power of the thunderbolt so ba basically Zeus was just a pimply teenage boy who was basically weak, always coughing off phlegm. Yes, he was considered a god, but he was more man-dang god, or early version of man, as it were. Once he got the Thunderbolt, found a way to free his brothers and sisters, he became the leader of Olympus. You understand what that means. So if you read religion from, from Rolo Tomasi, he mentions how men got into the next stage of life as men and to learn and teach themselves uh, and, and to reach the point to become men is through a trial, uh, a rite of passage, as it were. And so that was Zeus's rite of passage. A similar thing happened with his father, Cronus. I think it was Cronus. Yeah, it's Cronus. But Cronus decided, oh, we got to eat these. They're going to take my power away. And so Zeus tried to find a plan to free him from Cronus's brain. Cronus, interestingly enough, it's connected to Saturn. Well, of course, it's Saturn. We need because the Roman name for Cronus is Saturn, and Saturn deals with time, and that's how we get the whole thing. The sickle has to deal with that cheating of the wheat. It's also connected with death. We also have another connection to the Abrahamic religions, especially with Christianity, the blood, the blood, and the body of Christ, which is seen in bread and blood, and he defeats death. He defeats time. Basically. But let's get to the main point that I want to discuss. And that main point is with the gods and goddesses that helped 
bring about the societies in the past with the myths. And I want to focus mostly on the Japanese mythos. Izanagi and Izanami are both brother and sister. Hera and Zeus are both brother and sister in that particular sense. They later got married. They had one child, Hesputsis. Hesputsis is connected to the grand... Well, we don't really call her granddaughter because some historians are saying that Aphrodite existed way before the main Greek gods. But for the purposes of this particular bonus, Ephesus and Venus, Ephesus and Aphrodite, we call a Vulcan and Aphrodite, uh, a Vulcan and uh, Venus in Roman terms. They later got together and they had a child, which is an androgen. So the ugliest female, the ugliest male and the most beautiful female did have a kid and that kid became an androgen. Let's not go too far into it. I want to focus on the, the issue that I want to discuss, which is pretty much supporting Rolo Tomasi's point about men and women being compliments to each other. Izanagi and Izami creates what is basically the first men and women of the pan Japanese pantheon and later on humans. They created the lands together. They lived together in a hut. They build a lot more things. They complement each other. But Izanagi, according to the story, so basically, let's go back a little bit. So I want to make all of it clear. So we have a system of gods in the Japanese pantheon that we start with the Koto Masaku Kami. There are three deities that appear. We'll just call them for the simple, to make things simple for this bonus, central master, high creator, divine creator. Then we have two others that came into existence, basically the heaven aspect and the energy aspect. Then there is another generation of gods. The first five main distinguishing heavy kami were their three creation gods, the central master, high master, and divine creator. Then we have two other gods that came after it. Pretty much what they did with Pokemon in one of the gen eras. So if you are interested in the whole Pokemon story, that's the basic idea of how this thing was done. Anyway. Let's move moving forward. They have another generation of gods, which is seven generations of deities. The seven gods here, the three creation gods, the other two, Koto Masukami, 
and the two Kami Yanyayo, which is what we call the Starman, uh, the, uh, what we call yin and yang, basically, the complementary of the two sexes. After that, those seven gods go back into the Takamahara and become hidden. Many studies have put them all as male god entities. The seven main creators of the Japanese pantheon. But we want to focus on those that have built humanity. That's Izanagi and Izami. The Kojakai portrays that Izanagi and his younger twin sister, Izanagi, are the seventh and final generation of deities that manifest at the emergence of the first group, which heaven and earth came into existence. They received a command from the gods to solidify and shape the earth, which then resembles floating oil and drifted like a jellyfish. They used the jewel spirit to turn to chaos. The brine drift from the dead turned to the island named Otaganro. They later descended on the island and sitting there dwelling, erected a heavenly pillar on it. Izanagi and Izami, realizing they are meant to procreate and have children, devised a marriage ceremony which where they will walk in opposite directions around the pillar, greet each other, and initiate intercourse. After Izami tried to greet Izanagi first, Izanagi then ejected that he, the man, should be the first one to speak. True enough, the first offspring that resulted from the union, the late child Hiruko, is considered imperfect and set adrift on the photo reeds. Then it was done again. But it, it was done again. He also began the island of Iowa, but this was not accounted under the rightful progeny. Then he repeated the ritual with Izanagi greeting Izami first. This time, it was a success, which then brought about the birth of the various islands that comprised the Japanese archipelago. And you know the whole stories of that. That is, say the modern Honshu, the whole lot of it. Then they began to beget the various deities who are inhabit these islands. Izanagi, however, was badly injured and eventually died after giving birth to the fire god. In an act of grief and rage, he killed that son with his ten grass sword. More gods came out of it from the Eserta of Izami. Then, Izanagi, wishing to see Izami again, went down to the Yomi, the land of the dead, in hopes of retrieving her. She says that her the sister, Izanami, said that she's already partaken of the food cooked in the furnace of the underworld, running her turn impossible. He lost his patience, that's Izanagi, betrayed his promise not to look at her and lit up a fire, only to find that Izanami is a rotting corpse. To avenge her shame, Izanami dispatched the gods of thunder that has the Yomi, the whole of warriors to chase after him. To distract them, he threw a vine, securing his hair, comb on his right knot, which turned into grapes, and shoots to the hags devoured. Upon reaching the pass, Izanagi took three peaches from a heavenly from a nearby tree and prepared the pursuers. 
He then declared peat food to be divine and paid anyone to grow it in the land to help people in need. When Izanagi herself came into pursuit of him, Izanagi sealed the entrance with Yomi performing a boulder. Izanagi then pronounces a curse, vowing to kill a thousand people a day, to which Izanagi replied he would then begin a thousand and five hundred people to thwart her. Then he was contaminated. He went into the plain of Agohawa and purified himself. Then, from those purification entities, he brought in the three precious children, the sun goddess, her brother, and the other brother, which is Amaterasu, Tsukiyomi, and Suzano, when he washed his left eye, his right eye, and his nose. So, Basically, it showcases how childbirth is very difficult for women back then. And that grief, in turn, trying to get back what was lost is very hard. But this fits into a lot of the things that Mr. Tomasi talked about with going back to your ex, pretty much. She basically placed a curse upon you if you bring her back, that sort of thing. I'm not saying, oh, we should treat all women as dead. No, nah, this is just an allegory. All these myths are allegories, folks. It's basically telling us that men and women work better together, as we have seen with the creation of the Japanese islands, as it were, than they do apart. We can create a whole universe if the man takes the lead. See, the first time around, if you remember what I just told you about them going around a read, and then in order to start intercourse, the woman takes the lead. The man gets offended by it and saying, this doesn't work. The next time around, he initiates the intercourse. So in the way that it is set up, we have to enter relationships. They, women don't control. We have to initiate the relationships with men and women in that particular case. And then there will be a time when women will go on their own way. And we do not necessarily have control in that aspect. And we can create new things from the pain of these of the loss and learn how to move on from such in another strange aspect in one day he's a single father because he creates these gods and goddesses from his nose from his two eyes and and from his ears were they successful well let's see takamakahara started to become populated from izanagi's 
grief and getting into work and all the rest of these things. He started populating with gods and then later on with humans and so on. So, you know, the whole story with Susano. Susano decided to be, you know, I went into Takamanga Hara, blah, 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 boom. There it is. And then it offended Amaterasu. Amaterasu decided, I can't do this anymore with him. We gotta stop. He The sun disappears. Susano starts to get pissed off. Nothing gets done. He thought he could do the whole work. Mm -mm, not gonna happen. Sure enough, they decided we're gonna do a party to get her out of the whole rock. They do the whole party. A woman named Tasume, I believe. I'm not sure her name. Remember, remind me about her name. Excuse me. I'm sorry about that. I'm just going through through, through this as fast as I can. Start dancing from uh, pretty much naked. Some of it also says that she is transgender, but let's not go into that. Particular. Let's say she's a woman in this particular case. She dances. Amaterasu wants to know to figure out what is the rockets about. She opens it. She's entranced by this dance. She opens the door. And then they said it's a party. They say, welcome back. The sun is here. Blah, blah, blah. Susano apologizes to Amaterasu. They decided to work together as compliments to each other, as brother and sister. And the world is back again. The crops can, the rice crops can grow. Everybody's happy. So, that is pretty much what it is. The myths have already told you that men must lead. Women have tried, when women lead, things don't go too well. Or when women try to initiate certain things, it doesn't go too well. We enter into relationship. Not the other way around. Other way around will lead into disappointment. We compliment each other. We saw it when we were just talking about how the islands of the Japanese archipelago were built. Women will move on and trying to get back what was already lost is almost impossible. It actually could, you could actually lose almost everything as Izanami almost did. As I just told you, he tried to escape Yumi. But from our purpose, we will find newer ideals, ideas, and joy as he cries out and makes Amaterasu, Susano, and Tuxizomi from his tears, nose, and ears. It won't be all perfect, but it will work out in the end. It's mental point of origin. So you can see where 
Japan can find its success from its history and its myths. Similar things with Egypt, similar with other nations. But the nations that only have a female god as the creator of this, of the universe, tend to have more problems and a little bit more difficulties. And in many sense, is trying to tell us where they came from and how harsh that area was because of the way they saw how God or goddesses and that sort of things made up the land and how they made themselves into, not made themselves into, how they referenced, how they referenced themselves into the land. How they see themselves. One of the reasons what I said earlier in the first part of our specials that humanity trying to get into a feminine construct of a goddess, a worldwide goddess, is to forgive the sins or imagine of women that have waited too long into having children in order to recreate or placate the insecurities and the anxieties of women and sex. But I have stated this before and I will say this again. Any goddess that is seen as a creator god or what we now call in the cult circles the fine female all these other days she isn't even given a name in these occult circles mind you all of it in abrahamic terms and in other particular religions as well is either considered a demon a devil a evil spirit a world a war god whose innate nature is the destruction of not only humanity, but of possibly the universe. So whenever we're talking about women saying that they are God, it is a self-destructive notion. There can never be such thing as a creator God that is female. It is basically because of the psychological nature of our human species. Women see God completely differently than what men see God as. It is a completely different concept of how they see the world. The way we see the women see the world is different from the way the men see the world. That constitutes that they see God completely differently than what men see God as. Until that is reconciled, we don't have any type of hope of trying to understand how we are going to talk to women and how women should see us. Because ultimately, if we believe in free will of a kind and all the rest of these things, we also have to understand that it is very possible that the movements for a feminine God 
a female creator god from these females, from these feminists, and all these other things is them trying to reconcile their own societal nature, their own biological natures, and their proclivities and their sexual insecurities into a spiritual context the same way a lot of traditional conservatives are doing the same thing. Which is the reason why Rollo Tomasi got this correct between there is a connection between the feminists and the traditional conservatives because they're both trying to solve the same problem of sexual access. They're trying to solve the same problem. What Rollo Tomasi has not yet discovered and what we are about to find out real quickly is that that sexual access is much, much weaker than we even realize. And what I mean by this, I mean it in a very simple, in very simple terms, folks. Even though men want more access to more females at all times. The majority of women cannot activate themselves. And the drawings they do, the shows they watch, the music they listen to, and the men that do the music that they listen to, and all the rest of these things about how they want to hit these big men with awesome stars, even with the black women now in Europe, in the UK, who like this black man out there who's wearing fur coats and all these other things and whatnot, and all these residents. The problem is they desire a certain type of man. I don't care where it is all over the world. They desire a certain type of man. You understand? They will never activate themselves for the 80% of men. What this entails, especially with the way social media has activated themselves, is that social media, whether they like it or they have not, are the pimps of 80% of the world's women. 80%. And in that particular pimp, in that they are trying to control that type of pimp culture and pimp and pimp and pimpalization as I, as it were. And they are trying to reconfigure governments, corporations, into a sexual marketplace that will allow these men, some of them part of the 80% of men these women do not want to be with. They have created a system where even if, even if they don't get the women that they want, 
they can sublimate their desires because they have all the keys to every single technology in order to see the woman that they want. They don't even have to go and see the person there. That will come in the late, that will come deeper in the future. But they have the way to sub, they have a way to supplement their desires. That is a very dark thing is witness. All we can learn from these myths is that we have to be our mental point of origin. Then even when we lose someone, we are to move on from all that and put ourselves first. If we can't learn that simple concept from the religions that do have men and women goddesses, male and female goddesses, gods as complements to each other in creating a universe, humanity, and earth as one, as one group, then I don't know what else we can learn from. Just something to think about. Thank you for listening. I know this is a little bit 45 minutes long. I thought it was going to be 13 minutes, but it's 45 minutes long. I'm sorry. That doesn't matter. As long as you have learned something from this, because this will be one of the final times I will be talking about these particular issues, I have to move on. There are other important things that we have to discuss. But thank you for listening to this bonus concerning the reasons why Anyone calling God being a woman is basically a devil worshiper on this bonus for religion and the red pill from Rollo Tomasi. This is Nova Hollerbeck. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcast Ed, and wherever you get your radio shows. We will see you guys next time. As we continue the story of our freedom from being trapped in our own jail cells in order to get something that never really truly respected us and we as a as we as individuals need to also recognize that we only have ourselves and we only have our abilities in order for all for us to survive possibly the end of our civilization and the end of all of humanity itself. We'll see you guys soon. And keep it here for the continuation of our specials concerning religion and the red pill and positive masculinity. See you guys soon.